You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You need to know what's happening. It's, 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 it's time to get in the huddle with Carl Dukes, Brian Baldinger, and Jason LaConfora. This is In the Huddle with Brian Baldwin, Jason Locke and Fora, Carl Dukes aren't here. They're on assignment right now. So I'm here in my film room at NFL Network in Inglewood, California, right next door to SoFi Stadium. And it's just time to talk quarterbacks. It just is. Yesterday, which was Thursday, March 30th, both Anthony Richardson and Hendon Hooker had their pro days, which kind of rounded out. What we think is the top five quarterbacks in this draft, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, and Hendon Hooker. So let's just take a look at what's changed. The pro days are over. Uh, we saw in every one of these pro days the fields lined with NFL talent, scouts, coaches, personnel, you name it. In fact, you can see Frank Wright, who picks at the top of the draft with the very first pick after their trade with Chicago, Frank Wright and his staff, you know, Josh McCown, you name it, they're all there. Uh, Pete Carroll, who picks uh, at number five and then later on at number 20, they were there at everyone. And this is after they just extended uh, their both quarterbacks this offseason. So let's just take a look at what might have changed. Because if you look at the very top, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, neither quarterback ran. Both quarterbacks threw. Bryce Young declined to throw or work out at the Combine in Indianapolis. C.J. Stroud threw, and he he blew it away. But I just want to say something about these workouts because I played with the former number one pick, um, you know, at one point in this, uh, you know, in, in my career. And he had the best pro day ever. Indianapolis took a young quarterback out of Illinois, and, you know, he had an okay career. But these pro days are designed to basically be perfect. It's, it, it's only when somebody really is just off that it kind of raises your eyebrows. I mean, this is a throwing session that you would organize if you're at the local high school field, if you're in the offseason, if you're Tom Brady leaving the Patriots and going to the Bucks and it's a pandemic, and there's every place you shut out, and you're like, Ryan Jensen, Mike Evans, come on over. We're at this high school at 10 o'clock in the morning. Let's throw. So these quarterbacks throw all the time, you know, and sometimes Patrick Mahomes brings the guys down to Dallas, Texas, and they throw in Dallas. Um, But almost every quarterback has sessions, skull sessions. They throw the football. That's what quarterbacks do. Um, I can remember um, when I left Dallas, uh, Troy Aikman was drafted after the year I left, and he came in 1989. You could go out to Valley Ranch 
you know, and watch Troy Aikman in 1990-91 throw to Michael Irvin and this whole group, and Dion was out there, and like they had great sessions at Valley Ranch. They they got a lot done, but that's what these pro days are. They're just workouts. They're just what these guys do almost every single day when they have a football in their hand. They're throwing it, and they're throwing it to whoever. And so I do think, though, that there's a lot you can glean from watching a quarterback throw a football. Like, you know, if you – like I'm here in Los Angeles right now, and I've done a ton of Charger games for national radio, and you watch Justin Herbert throw a football. I mean, there's just – there's not a lot of things prettier in the world than to watch Justin Herbert throw a football. I mean, the ball spins. It's got juice on it. He's got a, a classic delivery. He's big and strong. I mean, it's just fun watching Justin Herbert throw. So that's just a player. I'm not naming that he's the best or anything like that. I'm just saying, like, he's he's a fun guy to watch throw the football. So that's what we've done over the last month. And we've watched quarterbacks throw football. So where are we? Well, when Carolina made the trade with the Chicago Bears to go from number nine to number one, I thought at the time that they'd move to number one because it was clear cut who they thought the best quarterback was. I'm not so sure now. I think they went and got the number one pick because they wanted to be in a position to take the player at that position, the quarterback position, that they liked the most. And so I think they've used this last month and gone to all these pro days to do their diligence on what these players present, sitting down, talking to them, the crowd around C.J. Stroud, the first one that they went to uh, a couple weeks ago, I mean, you know, the, the entire organization of the Carolina Panthers was there. The owner, the staff, uh, personnel people, medical people. I mean, they were all there. Josh McCown's talking to C.J. Stroud about playing basketball in the offseason and where they're going to hoop it up. And, you know, so I feel like when they made the trade that they knew, but maybe they didn't know. Maybe they know a lot better now. And maybe they still are not sure. We're 27 days away to the draft. Uh, April 27th in Kansas City is the NFL draft. 27 more days where they can really look at all these quarterbacks. And I, I remember clearly when Andy Reid came to Philadelphia in 1999. And in that year, there were basically six quarterbacks that were thought to be first-round picks. I remember Andy telling me they drafted Donovan McNabb with the second pick. But I remember Andy saying every day he'd come into his office and this was at veteran stadium at the time. He'd come into his office and he had a, you know, before there was digital, there was VCRs and he'd throw a VCR tape in DVD of a player of a quarterback. And he'd just let it run, just let it run on a loop. And every day he'd look up there and he might see something different, you know, about the quarterback, something he liked, something he questioned. Like, that was Andy's, and then he just kept coming back to McNabb. And clearly, if you look at Dante Culpepper, all the guys that came out that year, um, Donovan was the best choice. They they found the best guy, and they, they, they had the second pick to do it. And I had kind of feeling that Frank Reich, and I've known Frank since he was the backup quarterback to Jim Kelly in Buffalo, and I was there for an offseason. My little brother played there in Buffalo. And, you know, Frank was around – Marv Levy, he was a very smart coach. He was around Jim Kelly, who had a real flair for the game, very physical player, very tough guy, uh, rarely ever got hurt. If he ever got hurt, Frank's job was to back him up. I think Frank 
has a real good feel for the position offenses. He was in Philadelphia when Carson Wentz was there. Um, he was there in Indianapolis when they went through Phillip Rivers and different guys. So, like, he's been around elite players his whole life. I think he knows the personality, the temperament, the leadership, the skills. I think he really has a feel to take the best guy. So let's look at it. Like my, my number one quarterback in this draft has been Bryce Young from the beginning. Nothing has changed, even though he didn't run and he didn't throw in Indianapolis. I just go and I watch his last game, you know, the Sugar Bowl, Kansas State, and he was unbelievable. I mean, that's a bowl game. It's a big, it's a big day. And he was elite. And people have a concern about him being 5'10 and a whisker and whether he's 204, which he weighed at the combine, or if he's 199, who knows? I just know that his size actually works to his advantage. His footwork, the way that he's able to avoid the rush, his ability to throw between the trees, his ability to throw off platform, it's just you just keep watching these games and it's one after another and the pocket gets dirty. It gets cloudy. There's pressure coming and you just watch him feel the rush. Never look at it. Eyes are up. Um, just drop dead deep throws that are just flawless. Like they're just perfect touch. He can drive it. He can arc it. He can, like he just has an elite touch. And I think his size works to his advantage the way that I call him a pocket magician. And we've seen the elite guys know how to do this. Mahomes is unbelievable how he's able to avoid the rush, extend plays, keep his eyes downfield, throw from every platform. He's the gold standard. But, you know, I mean, Burrow can do these things, and Josh Allen can do these things, and Lamar at times does these things. And, you know, you just go through the, the top guys in this league and what they do, and he he looks like that type of player. And If I had to compare him to somebody right now, and it's not really fair because the guy I'm comparing him to is a Hall of Fame player in Drew Brees. But Drew Brees is a Hall of Fame player, leader, teammate, sponge, and it didn't work out right away for him in San Diego. He had to go get united with Sean Payton in New Orleans, and he put his resume together. But his footwork was amazing. In fact, if I ever have to compare anybody to the best guy that I ever see with footwork, there was Brees and there was Brady. Those two guys' footwork was the thing that, separated them from everybody else because where your feet are is going to determine your accuracy where the ball's location is and that's what I keep coming back to with Bryce Young and that's not to not CJ Stroud um CJ Stroud is a bigger guy he had as good if not better talent around him than what Bryce Young had at Alabama um it's an elite program with elite players, Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, if he was in this draft, like he'd be maybe the second or third pick in this draft. He's just that elite right now. But Jackson Smith and Jigba or, you know, Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave. I mean, it's just elite players that C.J. Stroud. Now, you shouldn't knock C.J. Stroud because he's had elite players, and I'm not knocking him. But he looks different than other Ohio State quarterbacks that have come out. He looks like he can really read defenses. The defense dictates where he goes with the ball. And all you have to do is put on their semifinal game against Georgia. Um, I'm still not sure how they lost that game because they were in total control of it. But he was against a defense that made every quarterback they faced over two years look bad. Every quarterback. 
Um, he played great. In fact, he played as well as he played in any game against Georgia. And he was incredible. I mean, his movement, uh, his extension of plays, uh, finding the openings in the pocket, like it was just what you want. So I feel like there's one A and there's one B. And I don't know that you can go wrong. Now, time will tell if that's true, because we have seen quarterbacks go one, two before, you know, uh, you know, whether it's Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, you go back in time, you know, um, all the way back to Peyton Manning. And, you know, so you could go all and, and further back than that when quarterbacks went one, two, and rarely, if ever, has one and two both been great. It just hasn't happened. So we might have that happen again this year. Although I think quarterbacks are a little bit more prepared right now. They both have two solid years of playing underneath them. A lot of big games, big stages, playoff games, uh, big crowds, like all the things you want to evaluate these guys on. So I think it's pretty clear that Carolina and Houston are both going to take quarterbacks. Arizona sits there at number three, Indianapolis at number four. Indianapolis has had a revolving door of quarterbacks since Andrew Luck suddenly retired five years ago. And we all know the names of the guys, Philip Rivers and Matt Ryan, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of backup guys in there and guys that really aren't very good has played and started Indianapolis. Seven guys have started for the Colts since Andrew Luck's retirement. It's a real problem in that organization. They need a quarterback. So Lamar Jackson is still available. If somebody wants to go for the right price, right compensation, they could go get Lamar Jackson. If I was Indianapolis, if I was Indianapolis and I was Jimmy Ursay, and I know that, you know, we've had Peyton Manning since he's been the GM. We had, well, I'm going all the way back to his dad. We had Jeff George, and I was there with Jeff George, but Jeff George first pick in the draft. Had some good years, but was traded away. But, you know, Jeff George, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, elite players at the top of the draft. Peyton Manning turned the Indianapolis, the city of Indianapolis, into a football town. They were a racing town, a NASCAR town. They were an Indy 500 in a college sports town, basketball state, the Hoosier state, until Peyton Manning came. It's a football state now. I mean, football's crazy. Notre Dame, Purdue, IU, Ball State, you just go through the schools. So the Colts need a quarterback. To me, Lamar Jackson is far better than the third quarterback in this draft is if Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud go one, two or some, something like that. He's better than the third quarterback in this draft. So Jimmy Ursay has come out and said, I don't believe in guaranteed contracts. Maybe you don't need a guaranteed contract with, with Lamar. Maybe you just need a, a, a fair contract. You know, Patrick Mahomes has a fair contract. It's not guaranteed. Okay. Nobody would say that Patrick Mahomes is underpaid. Uh, he needs to go renegotiate. He's his, the market is set. So maybe you just have to market is what somebody's willing to pay you. And I don't think anybody's willing to pay anybody what Deshaun Watson got. Now that might change, but he got a fully guaranteed contract, $230 million. I just don't think that's out there for Lamar or anybody. Joe Burrow, guaranteed. Like the teams have to, and I'm not knocking anybody that can get a guaranteed contract. More power to you. But owners have to have a mechanism where they can, they've got some leverage if the quarterback gets hurt and quarterbacks get hurt they miss time Lamar's missed 11 games the last two years he's missed a playoff game you have to have some leverage if something happens to your quarterback 
where they're just not getting, you know, top top dollar and they're not playing. So anyways, that's that. So but if Indianapolis isn't comfortable doing that, to me, the third best quarterback in this draft is Hendon Hooker. Now, Hendon Hooker had his pro day yesterday, March 30th. Um, he didn't really throw. He's coming back from an ACL injury, but he sat there and talked. I mean, you listen to the guy talk. His dad's, you know, quarterback, his brother's quarterback. You know, they both played at North Carolina A&T right there in Durham, North Carolina. I mean, the guy sounds like he's of quarterback lineage. Just the way that he describes the game, and you look at him, you go, okay, goes to Virginia Tech, okay, Red shirts starts for two years, gets beaten out um, for whatever reason, okay? Uh, leaves, goes to Tennessee, doesn't start right away. Josh Heupel comes in, head coach, Morbin franchise, not winning anything at the bottom of the SEC. They're terrible. Hennon Hooker, Josh Heupel unite, and suddenly they're beating Alabama. You know, like they're beating Alabama, like the gold standard in this whole industry. They're beating Alabama, and Hennon Hooker's awesome. He throws five touchdown passes that day, and you just go, if you watch one game of Hennon Hooker, you watch him against Alabama, you're like, maybe he's the best quarterback in this draft. He's 6'4", he's 220-plus pounds. He's got a big frame, an NFL frame on him. But he's 25 years old, he's coming off an ACL injury. The ACL is going to heal. Peyton Manning had an ACL injury. Tom Brady had an ACL injury. Joe Burrow had an ACL injury. It, it happens. It's like almost a badge of honor. I had an ACL injury. You get the ACL ACL repaired. It comes back strong. You put a brace on it if you have to, like the way Peyton did, and you play football. Like he's going to be healed. He's going to be ready to go. I don't think there's a, a concern at all. You know, it happened in November 19th against South Carolina, running a read option, goes to plant on a wet turf, and the leg just goes out on him. Non-contact, that's ACLs, that's what happens. Uh, but he's going to be fine. But, you know, okay, 25 years old. Okay, Josh Allen is 25, um, I think, something like that. But, look, you're, you're looking to – I think Henry Hooker can step in day one and start in this league. He's mature, and that's a huge deal. He's a very, very mature kid. He's been humble. He's had to transfer. He's won the job. He's won big games. Like, he's he, he's improved every single year. To the point this year with one legitimate threat in Jalen Hyatt, it was a 70% completion quarterback. He threw two interceptions. He's thrown five in two years at Tennessee. I mean, just watch him play. Like, he can play. So, would Indianapolis take a quarterback coming off an ACL injury who's 25 years old? I don't know. But then you go, okay, Anthony Richardson. Let's look at Anthony Richardson. Obviously, the combine, he was just a freak. Arm strength. There's a Gulf of Mexico distance between his arm strength and everybody else's in this draft. Like, if he wants to go throw the ball like he did at the University of Florida's Indo for his facility and hit the roof, he can hit the roof. Like, the guy could throw the ball out of the, you know, he could stand in uh, Lambeau Field and throw it out of the stadium. I mean, that's not even, um, that's not even, uh, like, I think he could do that. Okay. Like, he's, it's crazy. But running four four and being six foot four and two hundred and forty plus pounds and throwing the ball out of the stadium, like that's great. I mean, but is that that power strength that he has and his skills and his athletic ability, how does that marry with his lack of experience? Because he's got a tremendous lack of experience. He started 13 games. 
You just go through the timeline. 2020, he's a red shirt. So he's not even not even playing. Okay, he's out. All right. 2021, he's the backup. He starts one game. 2022, he starts 12 games. Okay. Had some good games, had some big moments. You know, LSU going 81 yards for a touchdown. I mean, big moments, big throws. I mean, there's a highlight tape of, you know, really splash plays. But that's not really what quarterbacks do. Like, you want those splash plays, but you want a guy that can, okay, they take this receiver away. You're coming across the field. You're making this throw. So if you just look at last year and the three rookie quarterbacks that really got a chance to play, okay, you look at Kenny Pickett, all right, and Kenny Pickett was – Seven and five as a starter, um, but he started forty nine games at the University of Pittsburgh. He started and beat the University of Miami as an eighteen year old freshman. He was a five year player there at Pitt. He started forty nine games. He started games in the rain, in the heat, bad fields, muddy conditions, snow, ch- championship level games in the ACC. The guy had a body of work. Okay, he threw to Jordan Addison. You know, like, I mean, he's an elite player. Like, he's, he's, he was tested. You know, then you go, okay, Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy comes in, wins eight straight games as a starter. Like, he's all world and he's better than anybody ever thought. He's the 262nd player taken in the draft, seventh round pick. But he started 47 games at Iowa State, 47 games. He started from the third or fourth game of his freshman season, you know, championship games, Bryce Stadium. You know, going on the road to Oklahoma, you know, the guy had a big body of work, you know, and then if you go down to Atlanta and and what they did with, you know, with with Redmond there, like you look at what he did. He started 49 or 50 games at Cincinnati. I mean, these guys played a lot of football, you know, days when they were tremendous underdogs, had upsets, like all the things that build up your muscle memory. Like Anthony doesn't have that. So you go, okay, does the talent make up for the lack of experience? I don't think it does. But can he be taken in the top 10? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he can. He could go to Indianapolis at four. Like, I don't think it's a great deal. I don't think it's a great situation for him. Um, Gardner Minshew is there. Gardner has started in this league. He's probably a backup, but he can start for you. Um he knows where to go with the ball. He's a smart kid. He's a quarterback. He was coached by Mike Leach and has played in this league for a number of different guys. Like he could be your starter. Anthony Richards could be your backup. I don't, but I think the pressure to put him on the field is going to be great. And so Shane Steichen, you know, um, just coached Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. Jalen Hurts has been nonstop improving since he got to Philadelphia. Um, got his team to the Super Bowl this year. And, you know, uh, an offense that had him as a real run threat, you know, ran for an NFL best 15 touchdowns this year. Uh, RPO game, solid, you know, uh, but he also had great touch on the deep ball. He just improved, you know, and so maybe Shane Steich can go, give me a bigger, stronger, faster Jalen Hurts. Let me work with them in my system and I can, he can become Jalen Hurts, if not better. Now there's, there's probably a great deal of belief that Shane Steichen can tell Chris Ballard, the general manager, the owner, Jimmy Ursay, this is what we should do. And they probably won't be wrong. And a lot of people in their mock drafts have Anthony Richardson going there. I just think it's too rich. I think there's just too much of a experience gap right now 
for Anthony Richardson to make that up with his ability. And I could be completely wrong. Maybe he's Josh Allen, you know, but Josh Allen played a lot at Wyoming. So I'm a little torn because like everybody, I'm in love with the talent. If I knew, and this is not a knock on Anthony Richardson because I don't know him. I've never met him, but I know Jalen Hurts. And I'm just making this one comparison. Like I know how committed to the game of football, to the leadership position, to being the face of the organization, to the just day-to-day commitment that Jalen Hurts has to the game and to the Philadelphia Eagles. And if I knew Anthony Richardson had that, and I don't know if he does or not, he might. But if he had that, I would have no hesitation in drafting him as high as number four or, or number one, where he could maybe become the next Cam Newton for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, who won the MVP in his you know fifth year in the league. So that's where that is. Uh, and then there's Will Levis. And Will Levis is a big, strong kid that put Kentucky on the map and played a lot of big games and big, strong guy. Might be kind of a more athletic Phillip Rivers. Uh, Phillip Rivers, uh, if I remember correctly, started 51 games at North Carolina State. Will Levis didn't start that many games. Um, but he started. He, he was a three-year player. He got a lot of credentials. Um, I think all five of these guys are going to go in the first round because I, you know, if you look at Seattle picking number 20, number five and number 20, like, okay, they could go get themselves an elite pass rusher in this league. That would really help the defense. They addressed the offensive line with two rookie tackles last year, a rookie running back, Geno Smith coming back after a pro bowl season. They got two elite receivers and Lockett and Metcalf. Like, I feel like, you know, they got an elite corner and Tariq Woolen last year. Like an edge rusher, they brought Bobby Wagner back. Like an elite rusher at number five makes a lot of sense for Seattle. But at number 20, is that a luxury pick where they could go get their developmental quarterback and let him sit behind Geno? Could, you know, it could be something that uh, Pete Carroll looks at, John Schneider looks at. It's a possibility. Um, you know, who's, a, who's the other team? Could Detroit with two first round picks picking at number six, uh, picking at number 18? Uh, they're clearly a team on the rise, won nine games last year, beat the Packers twice. Um, you know, Jared Goff could be the guy, had a great season last year for him in Ben Johnson's system. Amon Rajay Brown was elite uh, in the development. Maybe Jameson Williams becomes elite number one player. Detroit at six could go defense. Um, they could go Bijan Robinson and say, we're just going to put the best – Offense on the field in the league. And they might be if Bijan went there. But at 18, could they take a quarterback? Could they take quarterback six? All that is possible. So, like all the mock drafts, you know, and are we leaving anybody out? You know, I mean, could Tennessee at 11 take a quarterback? Absolutely. Um, I don't know if Malik Willis will ever be NFL caliber. He had a chance to play last year. What didn't go very well. Um, could the Las Vegas Raiders at seven? I doubt it. I think Jimmy Garoppolo fills those shoes for him. But they certainly need somebody to develop, uh, especially in light of Jimmy Garoppolo's injury history. But they have so many holes to fill in that team. Like, you better give them help, whether it's offensive lineman or defensive, you know, pass rusher or corner or somebody. They need help on both sides of the ball badly. Could Minnesota at number 23 be in the quarterback market with Kirk Cousins' contract, you know, expiring soon? And uh, maybe we've seen the best of Kirk Cousins and maybe – um, Coach OC there could say, okay, it's time to start grooming somebody. All that is possible. So, anyways, this has been 
Baldy on inside the huddle with the quarterback update, trying to marry teams and players. Um, but I think ultimately five quarterbacks could very easily go in this first round. I think this is the year that they get pushed up, whether they're a value, all first round picks. It's hard to say because rarely do we ever see that that many quarterbacks go in the first round that all are good players, all have great careers. We just don't see it. So, but you know, teams picking at the bottom of the draft, you know, green Bay at the bottom of the draft took Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it was unbelievable. Brett Favre was the first pick in the second round. Unbelievable. Drew Brees was top of the second round. Unbelievable. I mean, so um, it, it can go, you know, you can find these guys at any position in the first round. So maybe they drop a little bit, but, I think ultimately that fifth year that you could get by making a player a first-round pick, that's an extra year where if you have to sit a guy, if you have to, you know, allow him to develop, like you could still get production for him with that fifth year and still let him play and prove himself. And so we have seen Baltimore trade back into the first round to take Lamar. Turn out to be Ozzie Newsom's maybe one of the best things he's ever done. So – and look, I mean, the team that's out there is the Baltimore Ravens. And if something happens with Lamar, uh, where the Ravens are able to make a deal or some team's able to make a deal for Lamar and they agree on the compensation, Baltimore could very easily be right in the mix for a quarterback. And I don't think Tyler Huntley is a guy that can win divisions for them and playoff games for him. I think you want him on your roster. You want him as your backup quarterback, quality guy. Uh, but – um, I think they, you know, in a division that features Joe Burrow, Kenny Pickett right now, um, you know, along with, uh, you know, an elite player like, you know, Deshaun Watson. I mean, you you better you better address that position, whether it's Lamar or if he's gone, somebody else. So anyways, this is Brian Baldinger for Inside the Huddle. That's my take on the quarterback class. At the top of the class, there's other guys, Stetson Bennett. There's a lot of other guys, Max Duggan. There's other guys that are going to get drafted, and maybe they become Brock Purdy. But right now, the attention was on the pro days of the five quarterbacks that I talked about, and uh, I wish them all the best of luck. And for Carl Dukes, put him up. Along with Jason Lockham, for I'm Brian Baldinger, and uh, thank you for joining me on this edition of Into the Huddle.